Welcome to a brand new edition of Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. In the cold light of a sad Sunday at the Vic. Watford go down to defeat yet again at home, the eighth consecutive home defeat for Watford, as Watford lose to Arsenal by three goals to two. I'll be talking about the game and about the aftermath of it, plus some worrying signs, but also a silver lining, and a look at the Watford women in their game at Kings Langley yesterday against Sheffield United. All of that is coming up right after this. Welcome back to Yuan's. I'm Omar Moore. In the cold light of a sad Sunday at the Vic, as Watford go down to their eighth straight home defeat against Arsenal this time, as Arsenal win 3-2. It was a game that started brightly for Watford. They had the ball in the back of the net in under 30 seconds, but the bad news was is that Emmanuel Dennis was offside in the game, and that was a shape of things to come for Watford, although it was a bright start for the Orns, who are on the front foot for the first few minutes of the half, attacking brightly, looking energetic, looking lively, moving the ball quicker, moving that pace, running into the area, and crossing balls in and troubling the Arsenal defence, but not quite enough. And against the runner play, it was Arsenal that took the lead. A defensive mistake, not tracking back the runners, cost the Orns a vital goal as there was a really good interplay by Arsenal players, which regarded uh, ended up in Martin Odegaard scoring the first goal of this game. And this was really how Arsenal played. They played very well today, Arsenal, but the problem with what happened at the Vic was the lack of attention to defensive detail on a team basis and on an individual basis in particular. Just one or two players a step slow today as Arsenal took maximum advantage and looked very good doing so with some excellent finishes. Not to be unbound though, Watford came back and came back well within a few minutes with Cucho Hernandez starting this game, scoring a great bicycle kick Beautiful goal from him. One of the goal of the season contenders for sure for Watford as that put the game at 1-1. And then a defensive mistake from Tom Cleverley. And for me, this is the turning point of the entire game because I think after this, Watford, their heads went down. And just before the half, about half, what, 15 minutes before, a defensive mistake, Tom Cleverley on the ball longer than he should ever have been on the ball, only for an Arsenal player to pick him off bring the ball in, switch the ball over to Bakari Saka, and Saka just absolutely destroyed that ball and put it into the back of the net for Ben Foster, and that was 2-1. Ben Foster, in that moment, a bit off his line there. The disappointment there, I think the goalkeeping should have been a little better, but the defensive mistake by Tom Cleverley, inexcusable across his 18-yard box. This is a veteran player who knows much better than that and yet did not choose to clear his lines, instead just looking for someone 
when he's on the ball. And you know well, when you are in front of your 18-yard box, one of the first things you are taught as a defender is to clear your lines. Do not look up for anybody. Clear your lines. Get it out of your 18-yard box area. You should not spend any time on the ball dawdling around, especially in the Premier League, with an outfit like Arsenal. One of the things I said in the Saturday Focus was that Arsenal were a very dangerous outfit. They've been playing very well for much of the second half of this season. And even before that, they had, uh, I think, gone nine Premier League games that they think they only lost once, and that was to Liverpool, I believe, or I think perhaps Manchester City. And listen, Arsenal are a team who are going to damage you if you make any mistake. And this particular Arsenal team, in the kind of form they were in, you cannot afford to give up silly mistakes like that. And Tom Cleverley, who, again, I think has been a very good servant to the club, just not up to it these days. And that mistake was another reminder of why Tom Cleverley should not be starting these games for Watford FC. And alas, as a result of that, Watford go 2-1 down. All of that hard work that they put together to get the equaliser just down the drain. And then their heads dropped and they resorted to a defensive posture to finish out that first half to ensure that they would go in no worse than 2-1 down. And at least at that point, from the defensive standpoint, it was mission accomplished, not making the damage any worse before half time. But that really was only forestalled by the first half um, interval because after that, it was all Arsenal really in the second half. They played around and toyed around with us and scored a goal about, what, 55 minutes or so in. That was the third goal of the day and proved to be the winner as uh, Martinez came in and hit a nice volley, a nice shot straight in, no chance at all for Ben Foster, and that was 3-1. Watford did try to come out of their shell and attack some more, and to their credit, they had some chances, most notably, and I mean, this was the biggest chance of the day that went a begging for Watford. Emmanuel Dennis, who had the goal at his mercy, Ramsdale on the opposite side of his post uh, from the goal, and from the near corner, For some reason, Emmanuel Dennis could not slot home what would have been the equalizing goal or would have at least put Watford, I think, back at 2-3 at that point. He did not. He blasted the ball over the crossbar, and I don't know how that happened. That was one of the biggest misses of the season for Watford, especially now with everything at stake. Watford, for some reason, did not find the back of the net there. And Emmanuel Dennis, who had a really good goal against Aston Villa, a couple of weeks back, was not able to finish what would have been a really good and important goal for Watford that would have brought them back into the game. I think it was somewhere in the 70-some-odd minute where Dennis missed an appalling opportunity. That was a sitter, and he absolutely skied it. I don't know how, but he did. And at that point, Watford still trailing, I think, three goals to one. They still needed to come back, and they kept going and kept going, and they got the goal in the 88th minute or so, whenever it was, from Musa Sissoko, scoring the goal to make it 3-2. I think it was a good interplay, good passing. Movement was quicker again, more lively. And uh, Sissoko had a lot to do to still finish that under Ramsdale, passing him. That's not an easy finish there for Watford as, as uh, Sissoko scoring his second goal of the season for the Orns. And bringing Watford within a fighting, a puncher's chance of getting something out of the game at 3-2 down with really, what, six or seven minutes left in the game, uh, including the injury time. And that was what was going to be the end score. Watford just could not get anything further. 
Craig Pawson, the referee, was a disgrace as he was against Burnley. Um, was very poor in that game and continued to be poor in this one as Watford, you know, they were calls for penalty shouts, although those were kind of mild, but nothing, nothing to do there. And that was really as far as it went. As for the performance, again, Watford going forward in a lot of areas, but there was a lot of hesitation to shoot in the second half. Take that shot. Take some shots. Make Aaron Ramsdale do something. They did not do enough of that in the second half of this game, although in the first half they did trouble the Arsenal defence. Arsenal even gave opportunities for Wat- to Watford, and Watford just didn't take them in that second half. Just didn't take them until the Sissoko goal late on. But by then, it was a bit of after the Lord's Mayor show because Arsenal were not going to lose that game at that point. They were in the ascendancy. They played the way you'd expect them to. A game like this where Arsenal knew that they had to play efficiently and ruthlessly, and they did. They did. I mean, they played very good football. The only lament that I have is that Watford gave them the opportunities to do so by giving away these silly defensive mistakes, these silly mistakes. And these uh, these games now are just coming thick and fast. And the opportunities to stay in this Premier League now, ever more slim, ever more slim. I will stick with this team to the bitter end and believe in them to the bitter end. But this game was a disappointment in the second half. Just not enough attacking fervor in that second half on a consistent enough level. I think it was better overall, the attacking side. But you've got to take shots at goal and you've got to be more daring in the second half of that game. And I understand the Watford heads absolutely dropped after 3-1. That was obvious. The body language is very clear. And you see the tentativeness and the lack of confidence. And you would have thought that with finishers like Dennis, who is, a, I think, a premier finisher, premier finisher, could not get that ball in the back of the net there. That would have made things a lot more uh, interesting at 3-2 in the 70-some-odd minute with a lot more football to play than 2-3 with five minutes left, including the injury time. Um, that that would have made a massive difference. And the substitutions made a massive difference as well because I think Roy Hodgson, and I should rephrase this, the substitutions were very poor. Let me just put it that way. Roy Hodgson today, I think, lost the plot completely on the substitutions. There was no way that Imran Lauser should have been subbed off first in that match. There's no way... No way at all that you're taking off Imran Lauser there. It's a very poor substitution. And you heard the crowd at the Vic let the manager know that that was not the thing to do there, to sub off the player that was really energetic and lively. And he was up for a scrap with these Arsenal players. You saw him pushing a couple of them, pushing Granite Xhaka in the first half of the game. You know, getting up and Xhaka is somebody who, you know, he's a routine red card waiting to happen. And, you know, Lauza was in his face, pushing him down and getting him off the ball. And he pushed another Arsenal player later on. I mean, Lauza was up for that game. I know Lauza made a mistake. He did make a mistake in the game that led to one of the goals. But the fact of the matter is, is that you go with players who are fighting for you, who are absolutely putting in a shift. And Lauza did that. I mean, he made the one mistake, but he absolutely kept going at it. Had the pace, had some good passes. Um, the passing was a little bit better today, not quite as good um, as it has been in some of the games like the game against Aston Villa. But the passing was faster and sharper for the most part, even though, again, there were some balls that were disappointing. Um, but I think the method was better with the starting lineup you had. Josh King out injured. It was a precautionary hamstring situation. And Gakia out injured for the same reason. 
and with the same injury. And what you saw was a much quicker and much more attack-minded forward three. We know that Saar is going to be out probably about a month with that hamstring injury that he has suffered. And so this was a much more youthful, dynamic, energetic front three in the likes of Dennis and João Pedro and Hernandez. That is the front three that I think you should finish the rest of this season off with until Saar comes back, of course. But I like what I saw from this front three today. I thought that they were all lively. I know Dennis did not have his best game, but I think they worked very well as a trio. I thought they looked very effective. They looked sharp. They looked like they were up for it. I like João Pedro's play. He wasn't um, getting a lot of the ball and a lot of shot opportunities, but he did hold up the ball fairly well. You know, he's not the best person to hold up the ball because, of course, Josh King is a bit more physical. But I like João Pedro's play. I mean, I, I still think that you have to start João Pedro in these games. And when Josh King comes back from his injury, he has to sit. Josh King has got to be on the substitutes bench. Make Josh King fight for his starting place again. You can't just put Josh King back into that starting lineup just because now he's, he's no longer injured. You've got to make him fight to get his place back. That's how you breed competition. And that's healthy for the team. And it's healthy for the mindset and the mentality of a team that's trying to fight for its Premier League life. You cannot put Josh King right back in the middle of that lineup. The man has not scored for over three months. Come on now. This is not good enough. You've got to sit him until there is something that you see from Josh King, namely a goal off the subs bench, that makes you think that he might be good enough to start these games again. But Roy Hodgson is a manager in my book who is too loyal to veteran players, to a fault, to the point in which they will cost him our place in the Premier League. And what I saw from Tom Cleverley was inexcusable. Again, that is a veteran player. He's been an excellent servant to the club. Two different spells, at least here at Watford. He's been fantastic in those two spells. But listen, this season, he is just not up to it. And for the most part this season, he has not been up to snuff for Watford. He is just not. And as a starter, not the genuine article anymore. He has got to come off the bench. Yes, he's been good. He's been a good servant to the club. But being a good servant to the club now, when you are playing the way you played against Arsenal today, is just not going to cut it. You're going to have to ride the bench for a bit. And in that interview with Sky News, and I'll play that to you um, in after the commercial break, after the break, it's just not good enough. I, I just did not like what I heard there. And for those of you who have not heard that interview, you will hear here in a few moments, a few minutes, but. Tom Cleverley, for me, has to sit. And Roy Hodgson um, has to be a lot less stubborn about that because he's hurting us. He's hurting us in that midfield. We need more energy and endeavor there. And if we put someone else in that midfield who's a bit more energetic, we might see some results. We might see some results. Where's Dan Gosling? Why isn't Dan Gosling playing any of these games? Could he be any worse? I'm really mystified by the way that this team is setting up now in that midfield. Shizoko had a decent enough game. He tried to go forward. I think he's a, he's a mountain in that midfield. I think his movement was a lot better today. I mean, it was good last week against Manchester United. I thought he was very good in that game. But uh, Musa Shizoko has got to... I think he has to stay in that midfield along with Lauza. 
Lousers in every game started for sure. But to see Kayembe coming in for Lauser, and Kayembe did not play well. Uh, there's just no way that uh, Kayembe should be coming into that game at that moment. You bring in Kayembe when the game is either even or you got the lead. That's when you bring Kayembe in now. I think Kayembe started off brightly for Watford, but he just doesn't have, I think, the pace and the precision of his passing needs to be better. And Lauser has more pace, a bit more bite to him. He's got better passing ability. And he also is someone who can bring the ball forward a lot further up the pitch. And Kayembe is not a player who is often, I think, and from what I've seen of him so far, not that kind of forward-minded player. He's much more of an anchor player. And to put an anchor player in at a time when we need goals and we need to win is inexcusable. I don't know what Roy Hodgson is doing. I'm very concerned about him. And although I do see some silver linings in the attack, and I think that the game against Wolves coming up on Thursday could be a very good one for Watford if they do continue to go forward in this way with these forward three players and push Lauser further up the pitch. I think you're going to have to start looking at that now for the game on Thursday. And you've got to sit Tom Cleverley under every circumstance. And under any circumstance, you have to sit him. Uh, look, you, the sentimentality has got to go out the window when your Premier League life is flickering before your eyes. The sentimentality about good serv- servantship and all the rest of it has got to go when your Premier League, League lifeline, if I can just say it, the, your Premier League lifeline is flittering and flickering away. And you just do not want to be in a position where you can perhaps change things up and go for the gusto. And you choose instead to go with a player who just, I think, look, the game has passed Tom Cleverly by. It's an impolite thing to say, but it's the truth. And the truth is not always polite at all, is it now? And I am very concerned now about where this club is going and where this team is going after this game. Not happy with the manager. And I'm going to tell you about the manager and Tom Cleverley's interview and the manager's interview as well. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something a little bit different after this commercial. I am going to talk about the Watford FC women and how they fared. It was not a pretty picture, shall we say, at Kings Langley in the game against Sheffield United. And I'll be back with that right after this. Welcome back to You Ons. I'm Omar Moore. In the cold light of a sad Sunday at the Vic. I'll be getting back to Watford against Arsenal in just a few minutes. But I think now, let's look back, shall we, at the game that Watford played against Sheffield United at Kings Langley. That's right, the Watford women back in action after almost three weeks away after their defeat against Lewis Two goals to one the last time out at King Lang- Kings Langley. They came into the game on Saturday night under the lights at Kings Langley. And unfortunately for the Golden Girls, it was not a happy homecoming as Sheffield United really did finish Watford convincingly before things were all said and done. I mean, it was a demolition, quite frankly. And uh, Watford tried, and Watford had at least five or six changes in their lineup. Gifton, Noel Williams, the head coach, uh, put back some of the players that had not been starting lately and who had been coming back from international duty, I think, as well. Helen Ward, the captain, was back 
as were a number of others. But unfortunately for Watford, by the time the 51st minute of this game came along, they were well and truly done and dusted by Sheffield United. Four goals up at that point at the 51st minute. That was the end of that. But Watford did show some fight and some spirit, but it was not good enough. Sheffield United deserved all three points. They took care of the ball very well in the game, controlled the tempo of the game. Um, There were a couple of chances that Watford could have had uh, converted earlier on in the game in the first half, but it just was not there for them. Um, An own goal really hurt them as well, um, just before the break, I think it was. And uh, Watford went into the break down 3-0 on their home patch. Sheffield United looked very, very good indeed, looked quick, looked lively, looked like they had a real cutting edge to them. And what the key was to the game is that Sheffield United took every one of their chances. That's why the lopsided scoreline, they took every opportunity pretty much that they had and converted it. That was the difference between the two clubs and the two sides there yesterday at Kings Langley. Uh, Disappointment for the Golden Girls because they did have um, almost three weeks really to prepare for this game. I know some of the players were away And they did have an international break, I believe it was. But the point is, is that this was a game that, look, Sheffield United, a very tough team. We know that. Um, And I thought that Watford were going to come out with a bit more energy. And they did come out with energy, but not enough to match what Sheffield United were doing. And their players are some really got some real top notch players on there. And some of them you cannot leave uh, alone for a second because they will punish you. And as such... You had that happen in the game yesterday. The goal scorers, Sweetman Kirk and Lord Mears and and Ellie Wilson, who really did put Watford to the sword. And there was an own goal there, as I said, just before the half ended. And look, um, this game is one that I think the Golden Girls have to forget. This is a game they just have to forget. Um, This is a game that you just have to move on from. It's not the kind of game you should be dwelling on too much. uh, Because look, uh, Sheffield United just... They beat uh, the Golden Girls earlier in the season and uh, really uh, had been much the better team. And I think the Golden Girls would freely admit this. Um, Sheffield United deserved all three points in that game there yesterday, and they got all three of those points. 4-0 was the final score, rough one there um, at Kings Langley last night. Uh, They will be back, the Golden Girls. I'm convinced that they are going to come back and get a win here um, in these next few games. I, I Listen, all is not lost. Of course, another very difficult result. Um, but they're heading off to Bristol City a week from today, Sunday. No reason to see why they can't try to put in a good performance there. Well, I know they won't just try. They will actually put in, I think, a, a performance they can be proud of. Whether they get the three points or not, we'll have to see. And then they come back on March 20th to Vicarage Road, the first time they've been at the Vic in a few weeks. Uh, as they take on the London City Lionesses in a game, I think is which was I think rescheduled because there was some, I forget how I think there was a waterlogged pitch or something like that that had that game postponed the first time at Kings Langley I think, or I'm not a hundred percent sure, but the point is is the game is going to be at the Vic now on March the twentieth, and that's two Sundays from today, 
as they take on the Golden Girls, take on the London City Lionesses at the Vic. Now, March 20th was supposed to be the game that Watford played Everton in, but because Everton advanced in the FA Cup, the Watford men will not be playing on that day, and it will be the Watford women who will play at the Vic on the 20th against the London City Lionesses. So that is that. The other the other one thing, uh, get your tickets, don't forget, for, for that game, the, the tickets for that game are going to be on sale on Monday, March the 7th at 10 a.m. for the game coming up. I think the, well, it's the home game against the London City Lionesses. So please make sure you go to the box office uh, or go online and get yourself your tickets for the Watford women, the Golden Girls in action on the 20th at the Vic against the London City Lionesses. One other bit of news that was not good from the game yesterday against Sheffield United was the injury to Taya Goldie, who was the player of the month um, for Watford in this month that just passed by February. Disappointment there. She came off of an injury just before half time. That was a, a big blow. Uh, Taya Goldie had been playing very well for Watford. She is a dual player. She is playing both for Arsenal and for Watford. And she's come in to Watford and, and I think really uh, looked very lively, looked very bright, looked like she's really got some uh, really good um, skill. She has got some skill and flair and she's a nimble player, um, gets forward very well, a good passer of the ball, really like the way that she works the ball in and and find space and she is a I think she's a good precision player but that injury is going to hurt for Watford because again Watford have been ravaged by injuries this season the Golden Girls have suffered through a lot of injuries and season ending injuries um, they've had a lot of difficult things this season to contend with and you know again I think that's a large large part of why Watford are where they are in the table it's been a very difficult season been a testing season change of head coach as well. Gifton Noel Williams has brought some good things uh, to this side, but they are not getting enough wins as of yet as, at the minute. So look, the, Watford are going to go onward and go upward, and it starts with Bristol City next weekend, and we'll see how they fare from there. After this is back to the men and more on this game between Watford and Arsenal, particularly the post-match reaction which I've got something to say about right after this. Welcome back to Yuan's. I'm Omar Moore. In the cold light of a sad Sunday at the Vic, Watford lose their eighth consecutive game at Vicarage Road. It's a joint club record now. Watford have not played well at home. Listen, this is not a recipe for staying in the Premier League when you're losing your home games eight consecutive like this. And look, whether it's like this or like that or like whatever, you can't lose eight consecutive home games and hope to stay in this league. I continue to believe in the Golden Boys, but... With 11 games left, you now have to win all these home games remaining. That's that's Burnley, excuse me, Leeds, Leicester, Everton, and also one other that I am now currently missing, Brentford. Those are your five left at home. And Watford really now have to be winning all five of those. That's 15 points. 
that puts them on 34. Now, of course, I'm saying all of that without talking about the game that's coming up on Thursday at Wolves, which I think is a game Watford can actually win. And I also think the game at Southampton three days hence, or two days after that, whenever it is, I think it's three days hence after that, uh, is also winnable, despite the fact that Southampton have generally been good and throughout much of the season after October, they have really taken off. They have hit a bump here and there uh, lately with one game against Aston Villa where they got thrashed uh, away from home. But Southampton's home form has been very good, but I think they are due uh, to slip up at home and they will be playing Watford next Sunday. But look, that's all uh, coming up in the future. I want to get back to what happened in the game today. This game today, look, it's gone now. The three points are Arsenal's, and I think deservedly so. No question about it. The lineup, I think, was right to start with. But again, uh, I want to make it very clear here. Tom Cleverley just is not good enough to be starting these games now. He's been a fine servant for this club, a fine servant indeed. And But, you know, like every player, your time has come where you will be uh, and should be coming off the bench in these games. Some Fortford fans think he shouldn't even be playing at all. Now, I won't go that far. I, I will say that he should be coming off the bench. And saying that is not a bashing of him. When Watford fans are saying that Tom Cleverley should be subbed off in this game first, I don't think we're bashing him. I'm definitely not. And I don't think anyone else is. We are just looking at what we're seeing right in front of us. He's just not good enough at the minute. He's just not been good enough for much of the season. Yeah, he'll give you some energy. He'll give you some fire. And he'll give you some fight. But I didn't see that today against Arsenal. I didn't see enough of that at all. I saw a big defensive mistake that cost us a goal and cost us what was a point at the time. And that's not about bashing anybody. Uh, that Listen, whether you whether he's your player that you like or whether he's not, it's not the case. I don't care if it's my favorite player or not. If, that, if my favorite player, whoever he is on that Watford team, is not playing well and hasn't been playing well for several weeks and has not distinguished himself in that starting lineup, I'm going to say something about it. And saying something about it is not bashing a player. I think if a Watford fan is bashing a player, that is some unreasonable haranguing of a player that is not justified. But when you are saying that Tom Cleverley is not up to it in these games, and you've seen that week after week after week, that is not bashing Tom Cleverley. That is expressing the obvious about what is going on before your very eyes. He is just not up to it anymore to start these games. He is not the Tom Cleverley of 2017 against Arsenal back then. He is not that Tom Cleverley anymore. And with our situation as perilous as it is, you have got to change that midfield and put someone else in there that's got a bit more energy and spark. He has not got the pace that he had four or five years ago. And it shows. It shows. Dawdling on the ball there in front of your 18-yard box, that is, for a veteran player, shocking. And he's got to know better than that. Not bashing him. I'd say that about any player on Watford. But I think that some Watford fans, they have Cleverly as their sentimental player. And they have a soft spot for Tom Cleverly because, indeed, he has been a very good servant to the club. But... 
A very good servant is all good and well, but when you're not playing well in these games and you're not up to it in these starting games, when you're starting these games, you are, you're helping to sink the club. I mean, this is not bashing anybody. And we really have to start resisting this kind of mentality that says that anytime we're criticizing a Watford player, we're bashing them. I mean, I, I, I heard this before with Cathcart. When Cathcart was not playing well earlier in this season, and people like myself and other Watford fans, some of them, were absolutely, they've had it with Cathcart back earlier on. That was back in September and maybe in October when we were looking at Cathcart going, what's going on here? Since then, Cathcart's actually been a lot better. He's a man of the match in the game against Aston Villa. I just really don't, I really, I, mean, I just am not long for this about people complaining about Watford fans bashing the team when Watford fans are being brutally honest about what's playing out right in front of them. Tom Cleverley has not been good for weeks. And when he came off the bench against Burnley, he almost cost us the game. A poor pass that, that led to Burnley on the attack and on the break. And if it wasn't for a clearance, by, I think, Ben Foster or one of the Watford defenders, that we could have lost that game. He's just not up to it as, uh, anymore. He's not. And, and saying that is not bashing him. That's being honest about what you are assessing in front of you. I mean, what are we going to do? Sit here and lie about what we're seeing? Uh, I really, am, really do not take to that. This idea that Watford fans uh, are bashing someone when they're actually just critiquing What's in front of them? What's the obvious? This is no room to be polite when your Premier League life is flickering before your eyes. I, I really do reject that notion that Watford... Now, are there some Watford fans, perhaps, who are having a go? But come on. I mean, really, are we having a go? Or are we looking at what we're seeing right in front of us? I, I'm not really down with that idea that we are now criticizing, we're bashing Tom Cleverley. His performances have been poor. Poor. And by the way, let me just play you now, as promised, the interview from uh, Sky Sports that the Watford FC social media channel on Twitter shared with yours and us, you and I, yours truly and all of us as Watford fans. Listen to Tom Cleverley here after Watford against Arsenal. Another home defeat, Tom, but did it feel like there was more encouraging signs coming out of this one when you look to what you have to do going forward? Yeah, I feel like um, it's the most offensive openings we've created since the, the new manager's been in. Um, and the difference on the day was just that the, the quality they had. Um, I think I've not looked at the stats yet, but it felt like we had just as many opportunities as them and their keeper had to work just as hard as ours. But... Um, they punished our mistakes and, and that was the difference. You mentioned there the offensive openings you had. What was the difference today? Uh, really positive. Uh, I thought the lads who come in, João Pedro and Cucho Hernandez, were um, brilliant. Uh, Cucho scoring one of the goal of the season contenders. And, um, and yeah, we managed to get the ball to them as, as, um, as quickly as we could. And um, yeah, we, we seem to be on the front foot a little more than, than the other games that we've played at home. Um, just unfortunate we've not come away with any points. Yeah. Uh, the third goal, would you say that it perhaps took the wind out of your sails a little bit? And how pleased were you with yourselves as a team that you did conjure up a response to that, even though ultimately you, weren't, you didn't manage to pull even again? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's never good uh, conceding when you you feel like you're on the front foot and uh, and then to, to get two goals back is always difficult, difficult against the top side. But we've got to be happy with the reaction. It's easy to throw the towel in when you're down there and um, things are going against you. But I thought we showed some spirit today. Um, but spirit's not going to be enough from now to the end of the season. What more do you need to add as a team if you feel the spirit's there? Uh, yeah, just a complete performance, really. We we seem to be either having really good defensive performance uh, or really good attacking performance and we make mistakes um, at the back or in midfield, as we did today. Um, so, yeah, we just need to put everything together on the day. We're working as hard as we possibly can. Uh, I think we've improved in recent weeks. Um, and, and, yeah, just keep going. You've got a couple of trips on the road now. I suppose it's about taking those things forward into those matches. Definitely. I know. I mean, our, our home form needs addressing. Um, uh, but we can take confidence with how we've been doing on the road. Uh, I think taking something from Burnley, uh, Old Trafford, Villa, and we, we should have took some at West Ham since the new manager's been in. So, yeah, we're, we're full of confidence on the road. And um, let's hope we can have a good week. Uh, and let's hope that Tom Cleverley can actually hold his hand up and hold himself accountable for his mistake. I mean, my goodness gracious me. Uh, I, listen, Tom Cleverley is, again, very good servant to the club. But I'm sorry, that doesn't cut the mustard here when we lost this game here. And just not in that interview with Sky News. I think that may have been Emma Saunders there, our good friend, um, interviewing him. And for, for that response from Tom Cleverley, not even to hold his hand up, and show the fans that, yeah, I'm sorry I made a mistake here. I'll be better next time. Uh, that, that disappoints me. Now, that might be why some Watford fans might be bashing Tom Cleverley. There's no room for sentimentality when your Premier League life is flickering before your very eyes. There's no room to be, oh, well, I think you're better. There's no, there's no room for that. We have to make honest assessments about what is going on on the pitch. I support this team. I support this club. And I'll always do that. And part of supporting club is also being honest about what is going on at the club and what is going on on the pitch. Whether it's positive things that are going on or negative things that are going on. And you have to be honest about all of it. I do not see how that's bashing him. Anyway, I've already sufficiently addressed that claim and the idea that the Watford fans are bashing Tom Cleverley when all the posts I've been seeing on social media is all 99% of them are Cleverley should have not started, Cleverley should be benched, Cleverley should have been subbed off at half time. All the, all the things that are coming into my uh, timeline, coming into me on Yuan's WFC on Twitter, have all reflected that. And, and these are loyal fans. These, these aren't trolls. These are loyal Watford fans that I am in contact with, that are in, they're in contact with me. And they're all telling me as a fellow Watford fan the same thing that I've been saying is that Tom Cleverley needs to be on the bench. I've said this for weeks. And there are other Watford fans out here who have said that for weeks, that Tom Cleverley should not be starting these games. This midfield is not moving the way it should. And it's not Suzuko to me that's the big problem here. It's not Lauza. I think the issue here is cleverly. And I think the manager has got to get an idea and start shaking up that side of the midfield because it's not working the way it should. Push Lauza further forward. That's what you should be doing. Let 
Lauza start at the front of that. Make a triangle out of that midfield then and put Lauza at the front of it and have him push forward. And that's the thing that Roy Horshen just is not going to do. Roy Horshen absolutely, in my view, basically uh, pulled down his pants and showed the fans what was there. Uh, the Watford fans what was there with this substitution of Lauza. You cannot sub Lauza off in that situation. You cannot, in that scenario, sub off Lauza. Now, as I said earlier, um, he did not uh, have a, a, a good moment in the game there that led to one of those goals, but he was up for the fight. And when you're fighting for your Premier League life, you want a player like that in there who really was fighting for the game, unlike the player that stayed on the pitch beyond him. I didn't see enough fight from that player, but I saw a lot more fight from Lauser. And you heard what that reaction was from the Watford fan base at the Vic. They made it very clear to Roy Hodgson that that was not the right move to sub off Lauser. And I don't think Lauser was particularly happy with it either, by the way. I mean, what is going on at this football club? And clearly the manager now, I have to start looking at him a little bit here. Even though under Roy Hodgson, in seven games, we have three clean sheets. We actually scored a couple of goals today, which was good. But again, the defensive mistakes, that is going to hurt you. That's cost you. And, and that one, Tom Cleverley, to me, is the biggest one. Because if we could have gone into that halftime at 1-1, the whole mentality of that game and the whole mentality of the players and the kind of tactics that get used in that second half to begin with are completely different. Instead, we finished out the half defending for our lives, defending deep because we did not want to go in down two. And then the fact is that five, six, seven, eight minutes in to the second half, we did go down two goals. And I'm telling you, that's why that was so important there. They worked so hard to come back with an instant reply, almost instant reply. It was like three or four minutes back from the Odegaard goal. And, you know, you had Hernandez with a fantastic goal there to equalize it at 1-1, and then 20 minutes later, you throw it away. I, I mean, that is a massive defense. And then to say that that's being uh, bashing him, I mean, that's a mistake that you, anybody knows as a defender, and a veteran player's got to know that. You clear your lines. You clear your lines in front of your 18-yard box. Goodness gracious me. I mean, that is, uh, that's a schoolboy error. I mean, let, let's be absolutely honest about what we're looking at. Goodness gracious me. That, uh, and he should have been subbed off. Uh, with the Premier League beckoning. I mean, with the Premier League on the line. Your existence in that league on the line. You have to, I'm to- sorry. You have to have a no tolerance policy. This is 11 and 12 games left. Uh, the, it's no more Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, you just have to call it like what you see it. Call it as you see it. This is no time to be nice here with what's going on. I just really don't get that. But anyway, that's gone now. The game is over. You know, Roy Hodgson, I think, did not distinguish himself well. I mean, uh, are we bashing Roy Hodgson or is Roy Hodgson bashing us as the fan base here? Shall we uh, run that clip here and find out? I would like for you who are listening to this to decide whether you think we, as Watford fans, are bashing Roy Hodgson or is Roy Hodgson bashing us? Another home defeat, Roy, but yes. what can you take from that performance? Well, I think we could take a lot from it. I mean, we're playing against a good team. We, we knew that. So it's never going to be an easy victory. 
But I thought that for very long periods, you know, we we asked questions, we we worked very hard, and I think that we paid a pretty high price, really, for a couple of mistakes we made, which really gave them a couple of relatively simple goals. We had to work a lot harder for for our goals. But I thought that uh, I can't ask much more of the players than what they gave me and and the club today. I thought they really worked very very hard. They never got downhearted, even though we were behind both 2-1 and, and then 3-1. We kept going. And uh, at the end, it was, I'd have liked another 10 minutes or so in the game. You never know, we might even have got an equaliser. Yeah, we did talk pre-match about how you might improve your side going forward. Do you feel you've seen a significant improvement today? Well, I thought we created chances. You know, certainly in the first time, we, we scored a goal in the first minute, which was ruled offside. But we, we definitely created chances. There's no doubt about that. We had the ball in their penalty area quite a lot of times and you know they were forced to make good blocks or the keeper had to make saves so that was a an improvement of course that's something we have to do if we want to score goals but it's one of those sad days where you know but for a couple of mistakes for which we paid a high price we might have been very very satisfied with our day's work. I must ask about one of the changes that you made during the second half um, when you withdrew Imran Loser and Borton Kayembe. Did you notice the reaction that that received? Of course, from yeah. Well, the play- fans have their favourites, I suppose, but Kayembe plays in the same position as Loser. I wasn't that disappointed with Loser. He's been very good for us. So I like him very much. But I thought he was looking a little bit tired. And I thought maybe the fresh legs of Kayembe, who plays in the same position, is a very similar sort of player, might help us to get back into the game and also pre-match we spoke about the two players you had coming in today I mean one of them certainly came up trumps didn't he with that goal Cucho Hernandez I saw the smile on your face when it went in yeah it was a wonderful guy it was a good move actually as well so we had a few good moves I thought down down that right side in particular balls played across the box and that was an excellent finish on his part but I thought Pedro also you know the two guys who come in for the two that have been playing both had excellent games so uh that's a positive that we, we know, you know, they're they're ready now and available for us. And looking at the positives, is there some relief now that you do have a couple of away games with the home form that continues? Well, I think each game is the game that it is. I mean, basically speaking, it's nice if you're playing at home and you've got a lot of home support and you're playing well and the crowd are behind you. But of course, we've never been able to to produce that this season. I don't think. Um, so much so that you know the crowd even decide to comment on substitutions because of course they have their favourites and unfortunately in my experience the crowd don't always recognise which are the best players to leave on the field and which are the best players to bring off but in actual fact I do understand them criticising loser coming off because he is a very good player and we like him very much but on this occasion I just thought it was the right moment to give Kayembe a go. But, I mean, we do have one or two players in our group and our squad that the fans don't seem to take to. But, unfortunately, they're the ones who are keeping their heads above water. Well, if you thought, Roy, that Loser was very good for you and you like him and you think he is very good, why did you take him off? In a game against Arsenal like this, Kayambi hadn't started any of these games at least for three games now. He had come on, I think, briefly in the game against Manchester United but he had not done. He had not played any real football for Watford for at least two or three weeks, if not more. Why are you bringing a player that has not even had a real kick of the ball in earnest in three weeks to come into a game against Arsenal? And why are you pulling off Lauza first? 
I, I just don't understand that. And I, and I think the patronizing of the fans there by Roy Hodgson, I, I don't think it does the fans a, a good a good thing to be doing that. And I don't think that Roy's bashing the fans, but I definitely think that Roy, um, I mean, he's gonna alienate he's gonna alienate some of the fan base. I, I, I'm telling you, that's gonna happen with comments like that. The fans of the Vic today were vociferous in their objection to the Lousa substitution. And then to come on a post-match interview on Sky and talk about, well, the fan, the crowd doesn't really know which players to bring on. I mean, come on now. That's not good enough. That's not good enough, is it? You, you can't be doing that to the fans. You've got to keep the fans on side. I mean, and the thing is, this is the short-term appointment. See, that's the other thing I think you've got to look at here is that this is a short-term appointment. Roy Horshen is out of the door at the end of June. No matter where Watford are, whether they're in the Premier League or not in the Premier League, by the end of this season, Roy Hodgson is out the door, cash in hand. Thank you very much indeed. And I don't think he really cares. I, I don't think that Roy Hodgson cares about the club. Um, he cares about his job and he cares about being back on the touchline in football. But I'm not sure, uh, let's be really brutally honest here, whether he really does care about the club. He talks about the club as if it's not a part of who he is and if he's not connected to it. The club has to decide this. The club has to decide that. We're doing this for the club. I mean, that's your part of that, aren't you, Roy? Aren't you? Uh, I mean, uh, this is not, to me, uh, a manager who has an affinity for Watford. And it, what's interesting about the other two managers that were here this season is that both of them at least uh, professed and I think uh, showed uh, more of an affinity to the club than this present manager. Now, look, Claudio Ranieri, we've heard the stories about how he just was not um, engaging with the players as much. And so you can look at that, obviously. But I mean, Cisco certainly was wedded to the club. I mean, he was wedded to the fans, you know, uh, and the fans actually took to Ranieri. But I don't think enough of the fans are taken to Roy Hodgson here. Roy Hodgson um, is not endearing himself to the Watford fan base here. And with a relegation scrap on, you do not want to alienate the fan base. I mean, come on now. I, Roy Hodgson obviously has the managerial nous and the experience. He's, he's managed all over the world. Listen, no one's going to ever take those credentials off the table when it comes to Roy Hodgson. But my goodness gracious me, to say that the fans have a favorite in Lausa, I think is beside the point because, quite frankly, whether Lausa is a favorite of the fans or whether he's not, and I'm not so sure that he's a so-called favorite, the fact of the matter is it's inexcusable for you to be subbing Lausa off before cleverly, number one, and number two, you're subbing off Lausa when he was up for the fight, he was up for the scrap, he was pushing Granite Xhaka to the ground, for God's sake. I mean, I, I, I want a player like that. If, if I'm fighting for my Premier League life, I want a player like Lauser in there doing that. Letting them know that you're there. Put yourself about. Uh, I mean, come on now. Uh, the, and then patronize the fans like this, Roy? Not good enough for me. I'm not happy with Roy Hodgson tonight. Not happy at all with the way he got on Sky News there and prostrated himself in front of us with uh, basically pulling his pants down and turning around and showing the fans what he has. That is inexcusable here. We've got a relegation scrap on. We are bang in trouble. And you're telling us that, that uh, booing Lauser was, you know, well, we, 
the fans have their favourite. No, it's not about favourites. It's about this man actually gives a damn for the club and gives a damn for the shirt. And that's not the person you pull off here to bring on Kayembe, who hadn't really had a meaningful kick of the ball in three weeks. As you can tell, I am not happy. Not with the way that Roy Hodgson conducted himself in that post-match interview. Not happy at all. And yes, the away form is the silver lining. I'm going to talk about the silver lining of the away form. Because I think, quite frankly, the way we're looking at it now, these away games are going to be the things that, gonna, that might keep us in the division. <laughs> it's, I, it's just it's not funny, but my goodness. I mean, granted, I think these two away games coming up might be just what the doctor ordered for this club. Uh, it's unbelievable to me that I'm saying that, but that is what I'm looking at because I think they're going to give Wolves a right go on Thursday. Wolves have been off the ball just a little bit the last week or so. They did not play well against Crystal Palace. The silver lining's there. I am not giving up on this team. I am not giving up on them. As dire as it is right now, as dire as it is, I'm not going to give up on this team. I, even when they let me down week after week, I'm not going to give up on them. Now, that's a supporter for you. If you, if you think, listen, for those who think that um, people like myself or anyone else is bashing this club or this team or this player, I've been the one all season long that says they're going to finish 11th. I'm the one all season long that has stuck with this team. I'll never give up on Watford Football Club. I'll never give up on these lads. But my goodness me, they let us down week after week with some of these defensive mistakes. And yes, the defense had been much better under Royal Hodgson. You can't deny three clean sheets. But that kind of cavalier interview coming from Roy Hodgson, that's inexcusable there. Uh, that's a manager that knows he's out the door at the end of June. And the players know it too. And I'm beginning to wonder now whether or not Roy Hodgson really cares about Watford Football Club. And I think I know what the answer is to that. What do you think the answer is? Welcome back to Yuan's. I'm Omar Moore in the cold light of a sad Sunday at the Vic. Watford 2, Arsenal 3. That was the final score at the Vic. Their eighth consecutive defeat at home, Watford. That is not a good look at all. And that's why away is going to be, I think, a welcome place for Watford to visit. They seem to be a lot more free-flowing away from home in these games now under Roy Hodgson away from home. And that is a comfort zone for Watford because they actually have more away games left to play than they do home ones. Although three of those away games are against teams in the top four. Liverpool in second place is on the horizon on April the 2nd. Manchester City leading the table. They are on the horizon in April. And also coming up in May, Chelsea. Those are three very difficult and almost impossible away games. But again, you never can tell in these games. Watford have um, have a habit of performing better away from home. And even against the likes of those very, very tough teams, I think Watford can at least put in a performance and certainly the game against Chelsea, which is the final game of the season in the Premier League, um, I think Watford can give it a go. They've historically played well at Stamford Bridge, even if they have come away on most occasions there with nothing. And given the fact that they played so well against Chelsea this season at the Vic, there's every reason to think that Watford will fight for their lives should that game mean something 
at the end of the season. I have a sneaky suspicion that that game will be a very critical game for Watford, of course, as far as survival is concerned. But that's still a ways away. It's still over two and a half months away before we even get to that game against Chelsea. There are still 11 games left for Watford. And, of course, those games are coming thick and fast now as they've got the two away games in the space of four days Coming up this coming Thursday, they are at Southampton. Excuse me, they are at Wolverhampton Wanderers this Thursday before going to Southampton on Sunday, a week from today. Those are the two games away from home against two teams who I think have had good seasons both, but again, have been slightly unstuck lately. Southampton losing 4-0 at Aston Villa just yesterday and Wolves losing at home 2-0 to Crystal Palace. They have come a little bit unstuck walls of the last game or two. And I think that that um, should be impetus enough for Watford. And off of the game that played today against Arsenal, at least the silver lining out of the game is that you have some attacking mentality and movement of the ball that Watford can build on. And if Dennis, who didn't have the best game of his career, shall we say, in the game today against Arsenal, if he can watch his lines and check his line before he makes the run, I think that that goal could have been scored and could be scored again against Wolves, except hopefully it would count because Watford will have had their lines clear and make sure that they are onside. These players have got to watch their lines. They've got to clear their lines and they've got to watch the offside line as well. Watch your line. You've got to be in line with that last defender. Otherwise, you're going to be getting goals chalked off. And, you know, the movement today was much better from Watford. That's the silver lining you take out of this. Bring that forth into the Wolves game. Now, look, we had an opportunity to build upon what we did against Manchester United in the draw, the nil-nil last week. But we didn't. So often this season, one of the big reasons why Watford are in the trouble they're in is that they do not consolidate these results and do not do well with prosperity. And in the game that they have at home after the good away performance, they end up losing that home game. That has been critical in all of these games. They've dropped 24 consecutive points at the Vic now with these eight straight losses at home. This is the thing that has put them in the place that they are in in the table. It all starts, quite frankly, with the game against Norwich. I mean, even before that, they were losing games at home. But that game against Norwich this season in January was a real big turning point, I think, in the season. No matter what happens from here on in, Watford were 17th going into that game and they ended that game in the relegation zone where they have been ever since. That is a massive turning point of the season for Norwich and Watford. Although Watford, um, since that loss to Norwich, Norwich have not done a thing, really. have not really won the thing. They won one other game since then, and they have been rock bottom. But Watford have got to start separating themselves from Norwich and start climbing out of trouble. Burnley lost against Chelsea 4-0, and that was a game that Watford needed to capitalize on as well, but they didn't do it. They did not do it. They didn't even get a point there against Arsenal, and that's a very disappointing thing especially when Watford did have chances in this game, had plenty of chances, and the game uh, really went by Watford when Dennis missed that big sitter. That's the second consecutive home game now where Emmanuel Dennis has missed an absolute sitter. He missed one against Crystal Palace the previous time they were at home, and then he missed the one against Arsenal, 
And my goodness gracious me, both of those should have been goals. And who knows what happens at that point in both of those games. But as it stood, it didn't happen. Watford will have to get their shooting boots on again. I really do want to see Hernandez and Jao Pedro. I really do like the way they set up. They look very good. I don't want to see Josh King in the starting lineup. I'd like to see him relegated to the bench. Let him fight for his place because we all have to be fighting now for our Premier League lives. And you cannot have players in your starting lineup who have not scored since November when you need goals. It's inexcusable. You saw Cucho Hernandez today score that goal. You know, that's someone who wants to be in the team. You saw João Pedro playing well. You know, he didn't get a lot of the ball the way he would want it, but I think he did well in the game. That's someone you should be playing every week now. Until Saar comes back, this has got to be your front three that you have to be starting. So that is the way I see it here on this episode of Yuorns. Now, look, if you want to follow the uh, Watford commentary and thoughts of yours truly, please go to youornswfc.wordpress.com. Follow on Twitter at youornswfc and on Instagram with the same address. Don't forget to subscribe to the Youorns WFC YouTube channel, please. If you have done, thank you so very much. Please spread the word. If you haven't subscribed to the Yuan's WFC channel, please do so today. It would be greatly appreciated. And the Yuan's.com merchandise store. For all your Yuan's merchandise, please go to Yuan's.com. Thank you very much indeed for doing all of those things. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Yuan's podcast in the cold light of a sad Sunday at the Vic. I'm Omar Moore, and until next time, you.